Welcome to the Success Journey Show. Let's travel together through the lives of individuals on the road to success. Hey, what's going on, travelers? Ricky Ventures and Marlon Madden, and we're back with you for another episode of the Success Journey Show. Marlon, what's good, bro? How are you today? What's going on? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, Ricky, um, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing, doing well. Man, this was the, uh, I'm coming off the first week of school. Mm. By the time you guys hear this, kids are probably well into school, but first week of school, man. And last week, just, whew, man, it, it was something else. Dude. Just getting back to that routine and that schedule, getting up early because I, I wasn't getting up as early as I would during the school days, um, taking advantage of waking up a little bit later, but getting up earlier now. and um, going to bed a little bit later. So making sure the kids got the homework done and all that kind of stuff. They got their lunches and everything. Um, so it, it's, 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 it's getting back into that grind, bro. It's getting back into it, but it's exciting, exciting times, man. Exciting times. Yeah. By yourself, man. I'm doing wonderful. Uh, you know, uh, tomorrow I go back to work, um, after okay. a long vacation. Yeah. And, um, you probably you know, it was fun. longer than you worked during the year. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a long vacation. I was from the 11th. And this is the, <laughs> what, this is going to be the the fifth tomorrow. I'm going back to work. And um, yeah. yeah, we had a longer weekend for the holidays. So that's what, that's what caused it. But funny enough, you know, I was down by the pool with the kids Saturday afternoon and I went live and I didn't have a plan what I was talking about, what I was going to talk about. I just went live and one of my boys came on and then we went into school the purpose of school went into real estate went into all these different things and you know some people call me like yo man that was really we were watching you man it was really helpful to us to put some things in perspective you need to do that more often and i was mm-hmm. like man i don't want to be a slave to social media to go online granted we have the show so we get it out what we want to do but this is more packaged as a even though we kind of freestyle it, we still have a structure versus. What are you talking about, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? I don't freestyle nothing, man. Yeah, we don't freestyle. <laughs> we don't freestyle nothing. This is all scripted. I have what I'm going to say right now. Yeah. You, you know, Rick, and another thing, man, real estate is a game, bro, that like people don't understand when, when people take the risk to do real estate or. Yeah. Just what you have to come into your mind to package, to put a deal together, the yeah. way how you have to approach it, the way how you have to be creative, the way how you have to think it through because you have the initial when you see the listing till what you're going to what you're going to be your exit strategy. Right. Yes. yes. All that happens in the middle to gain to that exit strategy. And you kind of have to put it together from the beginning to make sure it happened at the end yeah and a lot of people don't understand i think that's where a lot of people don't the reason why they do only one property or they don't have the appetite to do any property is because of they can't just understand the exit that strategy. inception yeah, yeah. and the exit strategy yeah no i'm glad that you said that too man because a lot of people don't talk about that aspect of the real estate the exit strategy Yes. Like what Everybody just says buy buy a house, buy a house. Yeah, buy a house, buy a house. But what is your exit strategy? What is your exit strategy for your primary house of residence? Right. Correct. 
and, and exit strategy doesn't mean that you 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 sell your house or whatever it may be. Exit strategy means you pass away, right? I mean, yeah. Anytime where your assets are leaving you and transitioning to another place, that's that all part of an exit strategy. So if you're holding your property for a long time and you have this property that is in your family and you're living there, like what do you want to happen with it? Do you want it to stay in your family? Do you want to write a trust? Do you want your kids to take it? Do you want this to happen with it? Do you want to sell it and get in a retire? Like, do you want to, or do you want to do really in, in investing? Do you want to flip? Do you want to hold? Do you want to rent? Do you want to this? Like all those different things that you say, like, and then, you know, as you said, you find the deal, you get excited about that, that price in the beginning or whatever it may be. Right. Yep. But you always got to think about what is that? What is that extra strategy? Like, what am I, what am I taking out of this? You know, how is it really going to set me to that? Take me to whatever level I'm trying to go to with this stuff. So yeah, you're absolutely right, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, and I'm, I'm new into it. So I'm still seeing a lot of things new. Uh, and listening and watching lot watching Marlon's reactions to things because he's my barometer, right? <laughs> so he's like, Man, this is crazy. I'm like, Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's good. I'm like, Yeah, it's good. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, you got it. You got it. Hey, man, he's been, he's seen it. He's seen it, right? You know, so it's just, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a fun journey. It's a fun journey that we're on. And, um, yeah, just you think about the growth that we've that we've had over the past, you know, just two years. Yep. Really dabbling. I know my I've grown tremendously in that area. So yeah, man, it's uh it's wonderful. I'm glad you brought that up. The exit strategy. What is the exit strategy? You should be thinking about an exit strategy for everything you're invested in. What a lot of people don't see it because no. they only get hype about because just like it's like church, it's like it's like everything else. Somebody, somebody hypes you up, right? Or somebody gives you good information. Let's not say hype up in a bad way. Somebody gives you good information for the starting of it. And you're saying, man, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to start a company. And everybody was, remember when everybody was just happy and they just, they were throwing like LLC parties when they got their LLC and they're throwing, oh, I got my LLC, right? But what is the strategy to grow that, to grow that business? Nobody really, because the, the thing was just get an LLC. LLC. Get and somebody LLC. said, I have a company. Yeah. But you have a company that's not making anything. That's great. Now you actually have a bill because you have to pay every year. You have to pay for pay that. that. Yep. Right. So, yep. so a lot of times the exit strategy, there's not a lot of people that's actually talking about the exit strategy or they'll just gloss over the exit strategy. And they don't understand how important or the person that's listening that's never done it doesn't understand how important that exit strategy is because your asset to, could turn to a liability real quick if yeah. your exit strategy is not um sound. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, man, we are excited about today's show. This is something that um, I know I've been passionate about over these past few years. There are some nuggets. Oh, my goodness. For those people out there that are striving to be, become leaders um, in whatever facet that leadership means to you. Um, and just the way our guest kind of breaks down how to embrace the journey uh, along the way to becoming there is something that you can't miss. So um, 
after this commercial here, the next voice we were here <laughs> is none other than Alex. Um, and he took Berkman. 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 Alex Brookman. Yeah. So, uh, man, we're excited. We're excited to have him on. Appreciate him having him on. And we'll hear him in a couple minutes. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Right, peace. We'll love. Thank you for listening to the Success Journey Show. Please follow us on our social media on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at the Success Journey Show. Also, check out our website at thesuccessjourneyshow.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, what's going on, travelers? We are back with you uh, for our favorite segment of the show is the show where we interview a guest and they take us on their journey, right? Their road, uh, what they their their travels, their ups, their downs, and we get a really a good insight as it what it took for them to get to where they are today. Man, we are really excited to have none other than Alex Brookman. And I mean, I hope I pronounced his last name right, man. I've been practicing in the green room. Everybody. Well done. And we got Alex here with us. Alex, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. <laughs> oh, man, the pleasure is ours. Alex, yes, sir. you start off by just sharing with us um, a little bit about yourself. Oh man, this has been a quite a ride. So I don't even know where to start, but let me let me stay on the helicopter perspective, right? So um I was always into music. So it became clear to me at some point in my late teen years, early 20s, that I want to do something professionally in that area. So mm. um I've been a uh, I've been a DJ at that point in time for some years. So I was like, Oh, it's totally logic. I, I I become a radio DJ, right? So I go to the radio, become a radio host, design radio shows. And that's what I did. And I did that for a few years and then um, joined a uh, an agency and became the, the editor-in-chief for their um, media and entertainment segment. And um, then 9-11 happened. The whole media industry started to get into a bit of a turmoil. I lost my job, tried to stay afloat. I was like, man, you really didn't understand that whole thing with the economy. Why don't you go back to school and learn how that works? That's what I did. And then I actually started management, went back into the media industry, but this time not on the content creator side, but more on the on the management side of things. And then later became um, a strategy consultant, business strategy consultant, management consultant, and then um, went into an area that combines business strategy and leadership development so bringing those mm. two things together mm. and then i met a girl and i moved to canada you know i'm a father always a girl to, always a girl always a, it's always the same it's either a job or love right that make you leave your home um yeah i became a father um in 2020 and you know Congrats. right before the pandemic hit which made me reconsider a lot of life choices because mm. all of a sudden i wasn't traveling 70 percent of my time anymore but I was at mm -hmm. home watching my son grow up. And, uh, you know, that's what I've been doing since, watching him grow up and not travel that much. Um, so I built a business around my experience um, in business strategy and leadership development. And I am blessed in ways that I can do a lot of that work remotely. So I can really see my son grow up. Man, that's beautiful. That is beautiful, man. I, I have 
chills. Like my my hair standing up. People can see you can't see it on the camera. My camera's not angling to my arms, but if you can see my hair is hair standing up, man, because you know that whole I, when I was sitting down the last couple of weeks, I was like, man, where do I really want to you know hang my hat in terms of really focusing and locking in based off of my experience and the words that came to me was business strategy and leadership development, right? I was just like, so when you just said that now, and I've been, I was reading your uh, bio earlier today and I was like, wow, this is, this is phenomenal, man. Just to be able to link with you and just see kind of what that journey was like to even get to where you are right now and what that entails, you know, to people that they may hear that they're like, okay, what in the world does business strategy mean, leadership development, right? But we'll break that all down, guys. That 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 will come, that will come. So going back to the humble humble beginnings in, in the music world, right? Like, where did that love for music, like really, did, where did it come from? And just bring us back to that mind of Alex in that, in that music center. I see you smiling bright, man, too. <laughs> that means we're going back to when I started to walk and kind of stumbled into my dad's oh, wow. recording, um, you, you know, like you don't have these things today anymore. Like these, these hi-fi towers um, yeah. where, yeah. where you had like your record player on top yes, and then the sir. equalizer yeah. and the record deck. Yeah. And, you yeah. Know, yeah. Yes, sir. yeah. That was your system for the house. And the turntable yeah. on top. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And at and the bottom, the you would have a little bit of space for your records. Yep. Yes, and um, yeah, that's what I discovered, my dad's records. And um, <laughs> that's when it all started. <laughs> Um, oh that's where the, the whole love for music came from, um, very early days. Um, and I always was interested in, in very different kinds of music, like not just in one genre, but I think there is hardly a genre that has only poor music. So there is something really great in every genre, I guess. Um, when I came to North America, like the whole country thing hit me and I was like, Interesting. There's good country music. I never would have expected that because the type of country music that I would listen to or I would hear from time to time in Germany was really not that great. But here, um, there is such a huge range um, in in music that you find something if you really listen and if you explore it with a curious mind. There is awesome hip hop. There is amazing hardcore. There is great heavy metal, um, and that just that never stopped. So for the past 40 years, I've been exploring music, um, partly professionally earlier in my life. Now it's just a hobby. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. It, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, music, you know, music. It, it's funny, a person with a mind, a creative mind or a musical inclined mind, it, it sometimes is, it, it's very hard to contain that person, right? That person is like all over because music is there's no music is infinite, right? You you can't really you could learn some. There, there's probably a new note that somebody will figure out here a couple of years from now that they're like, oh my goodness, I never figured out that or a chord or something. So, how did that prepare you for being that your mind? I'm figuring your mind was what was that 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 musical mind that you have when you said okay. Let me go into 9-11 happen. Hornet a bit. Now, how, before I jump into that, how did 9-11, because you were in Germany at that time, correct? 
Yes. How did 9-11 affect you in Germany that uh, journalism and music, being a disc jockey, was affected? The DJ part wasn't affected at that point, but what was affected was being part of the media industry. Um, the media industry went into a bit of an issue at that point in time because a lot of companies that spend their uh, marketing dollars on media and on advertising, um, right after 9-11, there was huge amounts of uncertainty and businesses were like, oh my God, what is happening? Um most people don't really remember, but when you when you th just put yourself back into the shoes of what happened back then, there was serious fear about the US starting a full-blown war, um, yeah. retaliating yeah. against yeah. whoever yeah. that was. Yeah. So yeah. and if if fear of war is going around, um companies really try to keep their dollars together. And that affected the whole media industry um because it's financed by marketing dollars yeah so and in that in that moment the company that i was working for um they had issues before already um financial issues so they they had to consolidate and that's when i lost my job back then mm. so now back to the original question before my musical mind wandered into that tangent now how when you start to zero in on economy how the how economics work how did you how did how you understand how music work and then the economy did you put that together to say okay this is how i'm gonna um attack it those were two different parts of my brain to be honest mm. it was mm. very very difficult the first two years at business school they were just brutal um i mean there is stuff that you need to learn where like I don't even I don't even know how people understand that. So <laughs> I give an example. We had to understand calculations that are made by computers. Um, and when we asked the professor why we need to actually do these calculations, they 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 said to us, and and it's I totally get that now, but I didn't get it back then. They were like, "Yes, there are computers doing that for you, but the computer can only do what you put into the computer, and you need to you need to realize when there is a, an apparent mistake. So Error. when you see a result yeah. that doesn't mm -hmm. make sense, you need to be able to spot it and to roughly go through the calculations in your in your head or using yeah. you know, pen and paper. We had to use pen and paper and um, to figure out whether that can be right or whether your gut feeling tells you based on this on the results that you see that something's off. But that was just a pain in the neck for me. And um, that's just one example. There were many examples where I realized I'm not made for this. My brain is not thinking in those ways. But you have to chew yourself through that mountain of dry matter to get out in the end and find your sweet spot. Because honestly speaking, general management is such a wide area. When you study general management, it goes from one end to the other. And every business take a look at larger organizations um they represent more or less the abilities um that or the possibilities that general management gives you all the way from human resources to business strategy to anything related to controlling and reporting finance treasury you name it there are so many different fields in 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 business you need to at least understand what you're doing um to be able to hone into your niche once you find something that you really love. Mm -hmm. 
I think the only <laughs> the only way or the only connection that my brain probably made between the music world and the business world was there must be something that you like. Just like in country music, there must be something good here. <laughs> I'm with you with the country music. I I found a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found a couple songs. <laughs> No, yeah, so eventually I found my sweet spot, but that wasn't in university and it wasn't right after university. To be very honest, after university, I started um, as the executive assistant to the president of one of the largest media organizations in the world. And it was only after a year or so where I had the opportunity to um, collaborate on a big business strategy project that I really realized how much I love business strategy. So I started to mm. unpack this whole topic. And in business school, business strategy was something that I just couldn't relate to. Um, so that came once it was real, in the real world with real people yeah, affected. Yeah, yeah. And um, having years of honing into a topic. One of the biggest problems that I often see in the, in the world of business, especially when it comes to small business owners, is that they... They use the word pivot a lot, uh, but every mm -hmm. time they pivot, they basically start at zero. Yeah, I'll give you an example. <laughs> My son, I don't need a hairdresser for apparent reasons, so I don't have any hair left. You and I, you and I, you and I. But my son has a hairdresser. So just recently, the guy told me that he will sell his salon and will. And I asked him, interesting, what do you want to do after that? And he said, I'm going to start working as a contractor in construction, building homes, residential buildings. Hmm. I, I, did, I didn't even know how to answer and what to say. <laughs> I was like, how has anything that you have done until now has any relevance yeah, yeah, in yeah. that completely <laughs> different world? Yeah, And it's really a bummer because those years and all the experience that he gathered until this point, they, are, they go down the drain and he starts at zero. And that is one of the biggest issues that you see out there when people opportunistically do one thing and then they do something completely different. There's nothing wrong with changing your career path, but there's a huge difference between staying with something for a certain period of time that allows you to actually enter that zone of mastery when you mm. really become good at something. And that yeah. just takes years. And that's something that I only realized when I allowed myself to go into that area of business strategy really deep. And there is this moment when, you, when you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> there is so much to learn. I don't know whether I will ever become good at this. But that is, that is the, the whole point. I mean, I, I pivoted, if you want, from being a music journalist into becoming a management consultant. I allowed mm -hmm. myself to do something entirely different. But the question is, how often can you do that in life? And yeah. when, when you find something that you really, really find interesting, you should stay with it to give yourself the space that you need to go deep and broad so that you can become a master in your craft. Yeah. I know as you're saying that, the book that comes to mind is um, Malcolm Gladwell's, um, goodness, the name of the book is Slugging My Mind. But he said in the book, it takes around 10,000 hours for you. Yeah, which is an, it, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. It, I yeah. mean, this, this whole concept of 10,000 hours, it has been scientifically, you know, mm. they took it yeah. apart, whether it's really true or not. But that's yeah, yeah, not yeah. the point. For me, Correct. the number doesn't really matter. 
it no, takes a lot of time. time to become really, really good at something. Exactly. And why does that matter? Because that's what people pay you for. They don't pay you for your time. People that that fly me in to help them with their business strategy, they don't pay me for the day or the two days. They mm -mm. pay me because they know that I can help them make massive progress within those two days. Yeah, or a yeah. keynote, why does a keynote speaker earn a ton of money for what they do? It's not because of those 30 minutes plus 15 minutes Q&A. It's because of the deep value that they bring that they can distill out of tens of thousands of hours of working in a certain area. Yeah. Sometimes when you listen to speakers, I don't know whether you have that same experience, but sometimes when I listen to, to speakers, I'm like, well, that was content free. And that's really a bummer because yeah. you realize when there is a 21-year-old expert on something that where should the expertise <laughs> really come from at the age of yeah. 21? Yeah, yeah. So, And that's nothing against 21-year-olds, but it's, it's, it's just... the question of how do you sell yourself and how mm -hmm. credible is your expertise? And that yeah. just takes a lot of time. And, and um, yeah. not taking yourself too serious also helps to allow yourself to make mistakes. I mean, yeah. there is just no way of becoming a true master in your craft without making mistakes. And that right. just takes time. Man, I, I love the kind of the theme that you're going with here. Um, there was a book that I'm reading, uh, having my sons read. It's called, um, I was trying to look around for us in the other room. It's called um, Chop Wood, Carry Water, right? And the concept is a gentleman wants to become uh, a master, a samurai archer. And he goes to his um, to the sensei, sensei, the sensei, and yep. it's like, man, if 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 I just stop doing all this carrying wood and chopping water, I mean, chop, chopping wood and carrying water, and just focus on training every single day, you know, how long would it take me? And or no, he said, how long would it take me to become a master? We, we were doing everything you have to be doing right now. He said, oh, it'll take you ten years. It was like, all right, well, if I cut all that out. All the extra stuff, how long would it take me? He said, it'll take you 10 uh, years. 20, 20 years. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like you can't you can't shortcut this. And I think the whole lesson in that is for a lot of people, and I'm glad you're saying this, taking time, like allowing yeah. yourself to take the time to be to be seasoned, right? So that I mean this podcast is called the success journey, right? And and exactly. one of the things that that everyone really needs to understand is that there is no elevator. There is no shortcut to success. No. Everyone starts yeah. at the ground floor and needs to take yeah. the stairs. If you yeah. want to go yes. to, to the top level, you start at the ground floor. It's just exactly. what it is. And you're not skipping floors, right? You're not skipping steps. You're not skipping floors. And, and the thing is this, and, and you can speak to this, why is that important? Right. I'm not going to answer. I'm going to leave that, let, leave that to you to answer. Why is it that important um, for us to take those steps as we are climbing in our, in, our, in our journey? I think everyone who has ever done anything that was not able as a beginner knows that you cannot just jump to the mastery level. So take sports, um, take baseball. Before mm -hmm. you can swing a bat, you will probably you know, do something that is similar to swinging a bat, maybe like a plastic bat as a kid, because you won't just take the big bat and start swinging it. You will probably hit your own head with it. 
because mm, when yeah. that mm-hmm. thing is in full swing, you don't have the strength or the technique to stop it from swinging. And when you swing around, bang, back of your head. Yeah, yeah, and we've yeah. all seen those <laughs> funny videos um, where kids do that. Yeah. Um, you just have to start throwing a ball just by throwing it without, you know, force, without technique, you just throw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same is true when you look look into, for example, take Formula One racing. Hmm. Those guys, literally every one of them, started racing go-karts. That's what they did. And then they get better and better and better. Faster go-karts, bigger go-karts. Then they started racing um, in series that are way below Formula One. And, you know, for every Formula One driver out there, there were probably a thousand go-kart racers that didn't make it up the the, the, yeah, the yeah. ladder. It's just the way it is. And, of course, this has something to do with funds, with money available. And do you have the stamina and the skills and the perseverance and the, and the financial means to yeah. the basically do you have the runway to get to that point where you are able to raise formula three and then formula one yeah but it's also just skill that needs to be developed um yeah. you need to listen to people like lewis hamilton when they talk about what it takes to race a full distance in a formula one car mm-hmm. it's the just G's insane yeah 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 if, yep. if if someone like like you and me would step into a Formula One car, we couldn't make this thing go straight. Yeah. Not in a million years. It would we would spin, we would hit a wall, we would do all kinds of things. And I've been driving for 25 years. Germany that's Autobahn. Just different. Yeah, Germany Autobahn as well. And really fast, but that's not the point. You yeah. know, the point is not about going fast. The point is about developing the skill to be able to run that thing. And to race, and that is just different. You can't just start at Formula One; you start in the go kart. Mm. Now, I, I like I like uh, what you're bringing. That now you have somebody that has a company; they're they've been running for a while. Um, let's say a seasoned company, and you say you go in there in two day. They call. They say, Alex, listen, man, we need your help. Uh, you're coming in here. And you have two days to go in to execute to make this company more efficient, more effective, or whatever situation they're in. What do you, how, what's your approach and how do you execute that? That is a difficult question to answer in a certain way because <laughs> I'm not going into a company telling them how to do that job. So mm-hmm. that is the first thing that a lot of people misunderstand when they, when they read what I do for a living. So I'm not a consultant in the sense that I go into a company, dissect their cost structure and tell them where they can save 20% of their cost. I'm not going into a company telling them how to do their social media marketing in different ways. That's consulting in the sense that you tell them what to do based on your knowledge and expertise in that certain area. Mm -hmm. What I do is I facilitate strategy processes. And what that means is I go into a business and help the executive team of that company to sit on a table and to define how the business needs to look like in the next three to five to seven years and what the priorities are that they will ruthlessly focus on to get to that point. Mm-hmm. That's in the nutshell on a 
like in, in a very in very simple terms, that is what business strategy is. Business strategy is the handful of priorities that you commit to to bring your business to the next level. Now, a lot of people use the term strategic planning. You've probably heard that term. It's a bit of a oxymoron. The term consists of strategy and planning, and those two things into one expression doesn't really make sense. Yeah, because they are the same. Yeah. One of my one of my <laughs> favorite strategists, Roger Martin, he says, doing strategic planning or or thinking you do strategic planning is you neither do planning nor strategy. You're actually failing doing both while trying to do that one thing because they are very, very different. So I do the strategy part with these businesses and then help them turn that strategy into action. So moving mm -hmm. it into a planning stage. And very often that starts with a two-day workshop where you get so much done in those two days. People are often very, very like, they are, they are blown away because they don't expect how much they can do in this, mm -hmm. in this short time. But it's all about bringing these people together and having the right types of conversations and moving them through, through a certain pr process yeah. that gives yeah. them a good understanding. Um, and to be honest, strategy is one of those, or I call it strategic acumen, the ability to think and act strategically. That's something, if you don't have that as a business owner or as a senior executive, that's something that you can learn. This is not heaven sent. You yeah, can yeah, learn yeah, that yeah. and you need to learn that. There, mm -hmm. there is no one else in the business that can do it for you. It's what a business expects of their senior leaders. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So the issue is the following. <laughs> business leaders don't become business leaders because they're great strategists. Most mm -hmm. of the time we grow in within a subject matter expert, within a subject matter because of our expertise. Mm -hmm. Like the sales guy who starts his career as a junior sales manager becomes a senior sales manager, maybe then a head of sales or a sales director. And all of a sudden that person leads other people, but not because they are great people leaders, but because they can mentor them to do what made them successful. Yeah. yeah. So, and if you think that through, that person becomes a VP and then an EVP, you know, yes. and all of a sudden they are in an, in an executive leadership position they never really had to strategize. They probably they, they might even be terrible people leaders, but they grew yeah. up because and of their they grew in the ranks because of their subject matter expertise. But latest, when you are in an executive position, you realize it's not about your subject matter expertise anymore. You yeah. are responsible for the strategic trajectory of that business. Yeah. And that's when you start to get your head around business strategy and leadership. And that's when mm. um People read books when they bring people like me in to help them through these processes. And that's when they often realize that it's, it's not rocket science, but it takes a lot of focus to, focus to get time. it done. You know, you said something very key in that, um, <clears throat> especially the difference between the, the transition from a, um, executive being a strategist versus being an SME, right? And a lot of people for a, for a long time, I even believed that, you know, that executive president, vice president, president or CEO is the SME of the organization. And in order for me to get there, I have to buckle down and I have to be an expert 
you know, mm-hmm. be the expert, be the best in this one area in order to get to that thing. And sometimes you've seen people do that and they never, ever rise to those positions because, yes. like you said, they never put on that strategic thinking hat more so that SME hat. And it's like, OK. Where, and, it, and then they get frustrated because they're like, man, what 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 am I doing wrong? I know more than that guy. You know, you hear that often enough. Man, I know more than that person, and they're posted. They're right. my boss, right? Like, how, how do you how do you talk to those people that are that have that desire one to be on that executive level, right? But are missing just that that piece or that realization of the shift they need to have in order to really start leading versus being that being the guy, right? That everyone I like how you formulated that. Yeah. Everyone wants to be a CEO at some point in mm-hmm. time in their life, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. maybe not everyone, but a lot of people be like, yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Until they figure out what a CEO does. Exactly. But the point <laughs> is the following. Um, if someone, if, if I ask a leader somewhere in the middle of an organization what they want to be in three to five years how their personal strategy looks like for them, their career trajectory. I've never met any, well, not true. I met two people who actually said, I don't want to be a leader anymore. Um, But let's say 99% of the people that I work with tell me that they see themselves at least one step further in their career, in that definition, a higher rank, et cetera, leading a bigger team, being responsible for a different unit, different department. And my first question is, what is it that you need to learn to be able to do that job? And that's a question that is often fairly loaded for these people because they feel they're really good at what they do. But that's Mm -hmm. not the point. That's really Mm -hmm. not the point. You are really good at what you do now. If you want to do something else, there will be things that you need to learn in order to be even considered for that position. Correct. Yes. Yes. And that's something, I mean, one of the best books that anyone can ever read is what got you here. Won't get you there by Marshall Smith. Yeah. It is an absolute killer book, not only because of the content, but because of what it does to your brain in senses that you will realize that this sentence, what got you here, won't get you there is literally applicable to almost every level in your life, not only your career. Mm, So mm. when you are like in your 20s or in your teenage years or your early 20s and and someone is like, so do you want to have kids? Do you want a family? Do you? Yeah, of course I want that. I want a happy marriage. So what are you willing to learn to actually be able to have a healthy marriage? Mm. You just don't have a marriage and it's healthy. So these things, and I know that because I messed up my first marriage. So I need to ask myself, what was my part in messing that up? What do I need to learn to not mess that up again? Mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. these questions, they are applicable in your personal and in your professional life. I'm, I'm yeah. going to tell you something that this subject right here, being in the military, I see it all the time. Because what happens in the military, you're told that or you believe that your worth is because you are the SME, that subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. So a technician, somebody that could fix, let's say a Humvee, right? Yeah. 
somebody that somebody that could fix a Humvee real well, that thing can start, and they're like, I know the problem. It's this, 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 that. You gain the rank structure, and you and now they're in the position that they have to oversee that that shop. The, their focus is they know how to fix the equipment well, so they're only focused on that equipment. But they don't understand the supply chain management. That mm-hmm. because the, re, the the your vehicle can't get fixed if the if there's a bog down in the supply chain management. Okay, uh, training of the troops. Now your vehicles are getting more advanced. You're not thinking about um now before your your vehicles were more uh they they, they were they, they were easier to take out because they didn't have a lot of computers. Now the vehicles are getting more computers. All these different things. So. A lot of times you see people that they're that subject matter expert and they believe because they're the subject matter expert, that should transcend into being a leader. And yeah. and Michael Jordan is my favorite basketball player, but I don't think it transcend. And he but he knew that he couldn't be a coach. <laughs> he knew 100 percent he couldn't be a coach because he's saying what I require of myself to be able to be the best, I know yeah. these guys are not going to do it. Yeah. So but he, everyone is like Steve Kerr, right? I mean, not everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there's a huge difference between being a great coach and a great leader um, versus being a great player. Some of yeah. the best, some of the best soccer coaches in Europe, for example, they only played um, professionally in 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 lower leagues. They never really mm-hmm. played the mm-hmm. big yeah. leagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They realized their talent is probably not on the pitch. It's on the <laughs> sidelines. Yeah. And they have become extremely successful coaches. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's understanding what your role is and what the reason why you are successful or what makes you successful is not necessarily what made you successful in the past. If you take a look mm. at um, Usain Bolt's coach, for example, when Usain Bolt was at the height of his career, his coach was in his, I think, in his mid late sixties. Yeah, smoker, heavily overweight. That's not mm-hmm. a guy who shows you how to run. But <laughs> the guy was Usain Bolt's coach. Yeah, and when you asked Usain Bolt what he gains from his coach, he tells him he, he would tell you that the relationship that he has with that person helps him to remove what stops him from running at his best. The coach can't tell him how to run. He knows how to run. He is the fastest runner in the world. Back then he yeah. was. It's still, the things that get is. into your head yeah. that make you rethink, overthink, that make you focus on things that get yeah. in the way rather yeah. than yeah, yeah. running at your best. Mm. And that's that's what a great coach does. Um, there is a... There is, Value in working with coaches wherever you are in your life and wherever you are in your career, because these people ask you the questions that make you really think about the things that matter, not because they've been there, but because they stay away from the topic. They focus on you as a person. So whenever I work with executives and they would ask me a question that entails their subject matter expertise, I turn around and ask them, what do you think? And then they tell me something. And then I can ask some questions like, so what's getting in the way right now? I stay away from the topic. I focus on the person. And that's Mm. what a coach does. 
Mm. That's solid, man. Yeah, that that is really good because as you're saying that, I'm thinking about the coaches that I've had where, you know, you start going down the rabbit hole of details and they're like, I really don't care about the details of the matter. What I care about is who you are in this journey, right? 100%. And, And being able to coach and speak to that person where they are and elevate them from that point. Like you, <clears throat> you said something <clears throat> about uh, Usain Bolt, and I, and I can imagine for a lot of high performers, this is something that is, is needed. Um, and as you talk with your 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 clients, especially leaders, you know one of the the one of the probably most dangerous things that a, a leader can have is uh, uh, self doubt, right? as they're they're working through challenges working through the strategic approach and a lot of people wouldn't believe that you know i'm the ceo of a company you know yeah yeah multiple employees working under them they all figure that they all have it all figured out right you know like everything is <laughs> they just wake up every the morning they're following a plan like here's the blueprint this is what we're doing you know gonna let you in on the secret <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very lonesome on top when yes, I talk sir. to CEOs, they they don't have a lot of people around them that no. dare to say no or mm-hmm. that challenge their thinking. And this can very quickly become very dangerous for a CEO because or for any executive. If yeah. you don't have those people around you that challenge you, it is very easy to become complacent and mm-hmm. to be too sure about that what you think is the truth or will work mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. is a good idea. So as as a the best executives that I'm working with they are constantly questioning their own beliefs. They are constantly mm-hmm. asking is this is there a better approach? Can we do this in different ways? But they don't do this publicly. They do this with a handful of trusted advisors, advisors with their executive yes. team, for example, yes, or yes, with coaches yeah. like me. Yeah. And what they what they gain by that is they gain different perspectives. So being confident is something that is absolutely required for an executive. Yes. yes. But confidence does not mean to be blind to what's going on around you. Correct. So you you need to be confident from a character trait, but you need to be aware that you might not even asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. having a having people around you that can challenge your beliefs, your thinking in healthy ways, and to be aware that you, you the worst thing that you can do is become the victim of your own belief systems. And if you if you have those people around you, you can still be confident, but not in not in a stubborn way. You can be confident and at the same time open minded and Mm -hmm. being a learner to explore options. And um, I think that comes that comes probably back to the country music um, analogy from the beginning of our conversations. There might be a better way of doing things, but if you are one of those guys who's like. I know the way everyone behind me lets go in, the, in in our world, in, in this complex world that we're living in. Let's be honest. Who believes a CEO who says, I know the way I, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't follow yeah, that. I can't person. stand that. I can't stand uh, those games. It's more. just too complex out there. So, but but mm -hmm. saying I don't have all the answers, but together with my executive team, we figured that this is the next best step for us because over there, there's the island. We want to go on that island. And in order to get to that island, we have a few options. We decided that the first option that we would try is this one because it seems to be the best possible solution. If that won't work, we're open to alternatives. And that's mm -hmm. a completely different way of saying, we have done our homework. We believe this is going to work. Let's do this together. It's completely different than saying, I know the way, let's go. Yeah. 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 I, I like that latter person. I, I can't work with the, the first person. Yeah. I, I, I just, that latter person, and that's just my personality. I just, you know, and, some and, people, and, they, don't, and, they don't mind that. Yeah. And usually, yeah. Rick, uh, and, and Alex, let's be real. The CEO or any high-level executive is usually not tied into what's really happening on the ground. That's not their job anymore. No. Exactly. So if they're not tied in in terms of um, having that information flow, like you said, having that team to get the – they have to get that information to make the right decision. But if they feel that they're in because your perception is your reality, I know everything and I can make every decision. That's what happens. Case in point, let's take Elon Musk, right? I'm not, and I don't know if he did what he, if what he did at, at, at X or whatever he wants to call it is right. He went there and made some decision based off of a, like you said, a helicopter view of what was happening on the ground and just made some decisions and you, you saw the snowball effect. So, some people might say it was right. Some people might say it's wrong. Some people might say whatever is the situation. In my eyes, my my humble opinion, I think like you need some time to assess, especially if you just take over some um a company. You need some time to assess to say what's going on. Of course, you know there there's the rumor mill that's going on. Now I'm gonna say is that rumor mill correct, and then you you make your assessment from that. I see you. I see you thinking. Yeah, I. I often get questions around Elon Musk or um, Steve Jobs, for example, because they are two luminaries that have achieved phenomenal success by many people's standards. From afar, it is very difficult to assess or even judge um, whether their decisions and their leadership was for the lack of a better word, good leadership. Yeah. Um, these are extremely smart people. Both Jobs and, and Musk are probably blessed with an IQ that uh, is way beyond my own. So first of all, I think that they take a lot of decisions in, in, in a very short period of time that for people who are not involved might look weird because yeah. we don't have all the information that they have. Yeah. That, that's number one. Number two, these people make mistakes just as anyone else. Correct. The problem is they make mistakes often in On public. football coaches in Germany because everyone knows oh, it better than that coach. That's Sunday in the United States of America football for exactly. American football. <laughs> so 
I know that these people usually don't take those decisions just because they woke up in the morning and be like, I'm going to call Twitter X now because I think that's cool. Yeah. You know, there is a lot of thinking that goes into these decisions. For Elon Musk, everyone says he massively overpaid for Twitter. Well, let's see. Maybe for now, that might be true. We do not know what he wants to do with the platform. The future will tell. And yeah. it's it's the, the, the more public a CEO is, the more difficult it becomes for, for these people to make mistakes because mm -hmm. their future and their jobs are tied to what they're doing. Yeah. With yeah. Musk, this is probably a little bit different because he also owns these businesses. He's not an employed CEO in that sense, mm -hmm. but um, he is, well, a freak of nature in that way when we look at other CEOs. Most other CEOs of large organizations, they don't own these businesses. Correct. They are employed CEOs. And when they make mistakes like Elon Musk made them, well, they probably, they, they're probably gone. Yeah, shipped off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, do you also think that, because let, let's take Steve Jobs. Okay, yeah, Steve Jobs. The way his approach, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's making whatever technological decisions with his device that he's making but because of his approach or whatever the public is more willing to accept some of his faults or some of his mistakes versus even though Elon Musk is not really a I don't think he's super abrasive but he's he, he takes a different spin on the public or the the kind of how he wants to be viewed in the public. Mm, and I think yeah. that that sometimes uh, shadows the de uh, the decision of the public to whether we like the decision he made or give him the time. They're willing to iPhone, iPhone Dagon 3 and iPhone 5 was the same thing. And then it came all the way up. But people wouldn't say, okay, we'll give him time to make a new, you know what I'm saying? So it, 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 it's very interesting when you see those guys at those high levels, like you're saying. And you see somebody make a decision where we say they overpaid, and then they're thinking something else. And you're saying, "Let me see what this guy's thinking," because twenty billion dollars over what 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 we the public think it should be. What is this guy's rationale, and why did he think that he could take this company and do X with it? I'm not no saying he has a master plan that will reveal itself over the next 150 years. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the, the thing is, um, it's his decision. Um, and who am I to question it? I'm yeah. far away and removed from it. Um, I'm not even on Twitter. I don't even use the platform. Um, yeah. And there, there are good reasons for that. Um, and I think one of the reasons um, why Musk actually bought the platform is exactly that, that it was a constant stream of sewage going down and, and Twitter still or X still has these issues. Correct. It's a hate-filled place um, with Correct. just, you know, it's it's not really healthy to be there or to be there more than you should. Let me put it that way. And whatever Musk has in in in, in his master plan or in his mind for the future of this platform, um, it, re it will reveal itself 
the point is, and, and this ties back to your point of how close are you to the daily business, from afar, it looked like Musk took a few really weird decisions when it comes to um, firing people in certain departments, shrinking the company, et cetera, et cetera. But that is just when you when you take a look at the business from <clears throat> a certain perspective. Yeah. From a grand scheme of things, there must be logic reasons to do that. He's not a stupid person. He knew what he was doing. Um, he might have, maybe he has underestimated the complexity of the business. Um, but th the point is, he doesn't have to run the business as a CEO. He doesn't have to understand the complexities. Um, mm -hmm. He he is an investor in the end. Or he shouldn't, but he wanted exactly. to. Yeah. He wanted to, but he realized that he's not, he's probably <laughs> he not the right it. one. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, then yeah. asked the question on the platform whether he should step down as a CEO. Everyone said kind of, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Go and back to Tesla. <laughs> that's what he did. I mean, he's just an inspiration and a life case study in so many ways that it is, um, we live in exciting times. These types of people, the Musks of, of our yeah. era, yeah. they have always existed. They've yeah, always yeah. existed. Go back 200, uh, 300 years, they have existed. Those were the Rockefellers and yeah, you name it, right? right. They, they always existed, but they had nowadays in real life media coverage, obviously we can just follow these people and what they do for the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yeah, we can yeah. learn from them. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I, I love it, man. It's a... Man, we talked about we talked about a lot of great things in in this segment here, and one thing that's really like that's sticking out to me as we're talking about a lot of this is kind of the the I'm going going back a little bit and talking to our travelers a little bit that are on this journey because some <clears throat> may be CEOs already, some may be um, on that path becoming a, a leader, a CEO. Uh, someone's may want to be a COO. I don't, I don't know what you want to be. You want to be in the C-suite somewhere. Um, talk a little bit about just the the daily approach to take. You know, no matter no matter where you are, right? No matter where you are, um, but you're aspiring to be that leader or aspiring to be a better leader, right? What are some daily approaches they can? They can take as they look at their life and where they currently are to to help further them along that journey of realizing being better prepared as a leader. I think there are probably two or three fundamentals for leadership that everyone who wants to lead should <clears throat> adhere to or at least take as some sort of a compass. Number one, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. You can lead from wherever you are. You don't have to be in the C-suite to lead. Yes. Some of the best leaders that I've seen, they don't even want to become C-suite leaders. They want to stay where they are in the middle of an organization and they focus on making the people around them better. That's what leaders do. That's number two. You're not in it for yourself. You're in it for other people. So when we talk about leadership, um, in my next book, I outline something I call the legacy trident, the leadership trident. You create, as a leader, you create a legacy in three different ways. First of all, you represent an organization and you represent this organization toward the wider public. So you can ask yourself, how is the legacy that we're building as a business? 
And what is my role as a leader in that? The second uh, spike of that trident is to understand that as a leader, you are part of an elite group in an organization that has the power to shape a certain culture in that business. So by the way you lead, you influence people to either emulate what you do or to run away from you. And if you lead in proper ways, you will inspire others to lead in similar ways. And that creates a ripple effect, not only within the business, but within their families. So you better be aware that the power and the impact that you have is greater than you might think. Mm -hmm. And number three, the third spike of that trident is just within the business as a developer of talent. That is your biggest job as a leader, to develop the people around you, to discover their talent, to help them hone their talent and turn their talents into strength. I think when you when you embrace that as a leader, you will have impact, positive impact. You will create you will leave behind a legacy that is way beyond transactional factors like money, career advancement, or anything else like that. And that's what leadership is. So if you want to lead, do those things rather than thinking about growing and like climbing up a ladder. Man, I love it, Alex. I love it because that's not what people are hearing. Um, one, people think title determines mm. your mm. positioning, yes, sir. determines your role. Yeah. Um, and how much impact, I love what you said, impact, impact, influence. Um, <clears throat> you don't have to have a high rank in order to influence, right? Um to set the culture, set the tone, set the environment, echo the organization or who the organization that you are, represent them well. Um, and the last one you said, the talent, identifying and helping people identify the talent that they have within them and helping them grow and, and helping nurture that. 100%. That doesn't come with a title. And I love what you said. And also has nothing to do with advancement with money. Right. And, and things of that nature, because what people don't realize is that when you leave, transition from an organization or leave life or whatever it may be, the thing that people are going to remember is how you impacted them. Right. Yeah. Maybe I can impact some people with, with my capital, but more than likely, my capital is going to impact my kids. Right. And, 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 and what they do. Right. The serious capital, right? It's going to impact them. Even if you did own a company and you're you're supporting lives and supporting livelihood, right? But my wealth is going to really impact my family, right? But what people are really going to remember, the series trying to jump in here. What people are really going to try are going to remember is how did they how did they influence me to be better? Yes, impact me in my life. So if I go back into my my career and my life. The people that really resonate with me are the people that I can identify have, I don't know how much they made, right? <laughs> but I do know what they did for me and pouring into me in order for me to grow to where I am right now. So I, I mean, I'd really love that you said that. Now you mentioned you have a couple of books. I want you to uh, share with the folks here your books and uh, so they can go look them up and, and purchase those books. So... Thanks for giving me that opportunity. Um, the first book that I published um, some time ago I didn't was... get that. Could you try again? 
Who is that? <laughs> that, 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 that? That's his, that's his AI. That's his, his robot he has in his house that runs his whole house. I don't know. I'm jumping in the last few podcasts, man. I'm starting to wonder, wonder if Ricky worked with the feds. Man, I got to turn this series stuff off, man. Listen to everything. I'm sorry, Alex. Go ahead, man. Go ahead and do that. Uh, no worries. No worries. So the first book that I published was um, Secrets of Next Level Entrepreneurs. It was an anthology where I um, invited a few really bright minds to contribute um, their knowledge and experience to the book as well. Um, the second book is called The Strategy Legacy. Um, depending on when this episode will air, guys, the book comes out in September 2023. Okay. Um, okay. And shortly after the book, I will publish a field guide that will be called Creating the Strategy Legacy. That field guide basically gives you all the templates, all the manuals, all the questionnaires, checklists, and God knows what type of resources that I use in the work with my customers. And it's all going to be in that book. So when you read the Strategy Legacy and then take Creating the Strategy Legacy, you can literally run these strategy processes without me. Mm. And if you're not noticing that strategy legacy is right in the background, right that's there. standing right there, the white right book. there, that white book. And also, there are some millennials that's watching this show right now, Alex, and they're saying, man, what is that transformer he has above on the top? Right. I don't know if that's a Panasonic. <laughs> I don't know if it's a what which that's one an it was. original 80s. Polaroid camera. Polaroid sure. camera. There yes. you go. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So people, people are watching that, but not to deter from that. The strategy legacy. How did you come about? It was it just what what gaps did you see that you said, okay, I'll be able to put this in here that will be able to be effective once somebody reads this. Over the past fifteen years, if it's one thing that I have seen that is not enough out there. It's common language and common understanding in organizations when they use terms like strategy, vision, mission, mission, um, yeah. you name it, you know. Um, when we use goals, targets, objectives, all these words, they throw them around and they don't have a common understanding of what it is. So the book gives you an opportunity to create a common understanding in your organization about what a vision is, about what a strategy entails. And it's not only the terminology, of course, that is just a tiny part. But once you have that in place, the book describes what strategy is at the core in an organization and how to create it. And to use the process of strategy design to look left and right and create many more elements. I call them the nine elements of organizational identity. Strategy is an, the strategy process as such is ideally positioned to create all the nine elements of organizational identity, not only the strategy part. For example, an organization or many organizations talk about their purpose. Purpose is nice, but it is absolutely unimportant if you don't align your strategy to that purpose to create tangible impact. Yes, sir. Purpose is just an intent. You need to use the strategy to create the impact that you want to create. And if you are right. able to align your strategy, your impact, your mission, your vision, if you're able to create the capabilities in the organization that are needed to perform according to the strategy, et cetera, then you create something that is truly 
non-copyable. And that's what you want. You want to create a business that is not copyable by the competition. And that is not your strategy. Sorry to, to say it. I mean, for a strategy facilitator, it's weird to say that in a way, but strategy is the easiest thing to copy. The most difficult thing to copy is the combination of strategy and leadership to create culture. And that culture in an organization is the result of a clear business strategy and a clear understanding of how you lead an organization. When you create that and when you combine it, it's literally not copyable because that would mean you take all the people in your organization and you and pluck them into a different organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's that's what I see out there that business strategy is often approached like a black box or something that requires special or secret skills. It's not. Um, but as I said earlier, there are not too many people out there that lead businesses that would call business strategy their subject matter expertise. That's why I wrote the book, to give them something to um, to get their head around the topic. Oh, I love it. When Your, your first book, <clears throat> and we're running out of time here, but I want to <clears throat> just something powerful in the title of it, uh, 11 Powerful Lessons to, to Thrive in Business and Lead a Balanced life. Talk to us about that balanced life when it comes to leadership and just the role that or, you play. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to just say, or is there such thing as a balanced life? <laughs> the question is, what is balance? Yes. Yes. And for entrepreneurs, <laughs> founders, balance means something else than for established CEOs. And we need to understand that balance is different depending on where you are in your career. Yeah. I had times in my life where I enjoyed working 12 to 15 hours a day. That was what gave me energy. It didn't cost me energy. Um, now I'm at a different stage in my life and there are different things that give me energy. Achieving balance is extremely important because if you find yourself stuck living a life by default, not by design, you are chasing someone else's dreams, most likely. Hmm. So we all are the result or the product of the influences around us, family, friends, belief systems, et cetera, et cetera. And it can become very, you can very quickly derail in your own life and become unhappy, not realizing why. Oh. I have the house, I have the cars, I have the friends, the, the great relationship. Why am I not happy? Well, because you're probably living someone else's dream. You're not living your own dream. And balance is understanding of what it is that you should give your attention to in life because it matters to you and not to someone else. Hey, Alex, I'm going to tell you that is one. And we've done a hundred and what this, well, when your show airs, I don't know when it's going to air. We can't give you that date, but right now we're at 193. It'll be over two hundred, or or, or 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 over two hundred right now. Because some of them we didn't count. We give them just give them away. But two hundred, that is the best answer for balance that I've heard because of the approach that of and especially what you said. I was working fifteen hours and it gave me energy. Now I'm at a point where that probably that fifteen energy will fifteen hours will take energy. And that, ladies and gentlemen, go back, listen to that. Um, 
don't steal it and put it in a book. I don't know if you have already put it in a book. <laughs> and if you didn't, you need to uh, 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 add that to whatever you're going to put out in September. That was a great answer for balance. And if you made that up on the fly there, Alex, uh, I'm sold. Right? I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Yeah, dude, that is that, that, another, another moment of chills for me, man, because... Yeah. Is not is is not is not, hasn't been I haven't heard it broken down that way and it's something that people have been looking for. Yes, I don't know. And the last part of what you said, I'm, I may have you repeat it because I don't want to mess it up. But more so, you're not living your life; you're living someone else's. Someone else's life. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know that right there. We could, that'd be another whole podcast because it's. Media, you're you're in media, you know, at one point, you know what media, the purpose of media and to get people sucked into doing things that they may not be thinking to do, but they're engrossed in social media, gross on all this stuff. So you're living other people's life. Even sometimes you could be working at a job, living someone else's life, right? Someone else's dream, right? You, so it's just all those different things that come in that, man. So, man, Alex, I really appreciate you sharing these things. Let, tell everyone where they can connect with you. Um, if there's a CEO out there that is, and I know there are, um, that's listening and they want to bring you in for uh, a workshop, two day workshop, you know, whatever your offerings are. Um, why don't you share with them now how they could, you know, with you. you you don't necessarily need to hire me to enjoy my content so there's tons of blog entries um, on my website and free resources that you can use to educate yourself around leadership and strategy if you want to do that go to my website alexthestrategist.com or if you dare to write my name it's brookman.ca um as i live in canada i have the ca um at the oh end. Well, that, yeah i they thought that when i went out there i was like this guy got the ca <laughs> <laughs> so yeah or connect with me on linkedin um it's the only social media platform that i really use um i proud pride myself for doing all my social media on my own so all the conversations that i have in my private messages um with um, business leaders it's it's all me it's not a bot or um some outsourced person that does these conversations so um, th these conversations are really, really useful, not only for, for the other person that I talk to, but actually for me, because I learn a lot about businesses that I'm not actually working with right now. So really understanding the challenges that, that CEOs have, that founders have, that entrepreneurs have. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm glad to connect and um, share what I can share to help you. Love yes, it. sir. Yes, sir. And if you are reaching out because you heard him on this show let him know hey i heard you on the success journey show and uh we like that answer that you gave about balance so we're definitely bringing you in <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much guys i appreciate uh, it love it alex thank you so much for gracing us gracing us on the success journey show to all of our travelers and listeners that are out there around the world uh you heard it here today man this is a phenomenal ep episode i don't know where you are if you're driving if you're doing laundry if you're in your computer you're outside cutting the grass. I don't know whatever you're doing, but I hope that like we always say that you took time to write some notes, go back and listen to this episode. There's a lot of great nuggets that were shared with us today. And always remember to go to the, the, the yeah, the tongue twister. There we go. 
go to the successjourneyshow.com um, and go to the Success Journey Show at all other listening, at all podcast platforms to hear our previous episodes and the upcoming episode. And like we say every single week, we'll see you guys next week at the same time, the same place on the Success Journey Show. Everyone have a good one. Peace. I will love. You've been listening to the Success Journey Show, where your dreams, drive, determination, and diligence are the foundation to success. For more information, check out thesuccessjourneyshow.com. The Journey Squad is here helping you to your destination.